0: Welcome to it. It's Husker Sports Weekly, your one-stop shop for all things Husker Sports. Episode number 80 for you this week, and wow, we have a lot to cover today. Here on a Thursday, spring football is underway here in Lincoln. The Big Ten Wrestling Championships are coming to PBA starting Saturday. Husker Baseball is back in action this weekend. Nebraska men's basketball has won two straight games. Yes, you heard me correctly. And the women's hoop squad begins their postseason today in Indianapolis. So that list of topics isn't enough to fill your sports void or to satisfy your sports needs for today, I don't know what does. So we're going to do our best to try and fulfill that for you. But before we get into any of that, Connor Clark and Grant Hansen here with you. As always, you can find us on Twitter at C underscore Clark underscore 27 and at Hanson 15 underscore Hanson. You can find our show on Twitter at Husker Weekly and search Husker Sports Weekly in the search bar of your favorite podcast networks, to find our show. We do have a special guest today to help us get through all of these topics. He uh well, you may know him mostly from Athletes Unfiltered as he is a co-host on that podcast. He covers Husker wrestling for the Lincoln Journal Star. He is the sports director of 90.3 KRNU and most importantly, a friend of Grant and Mind. Jeff Ekstrom joins the show. Jeff, thanks so much for making time for us today.
1: Thanks, boys. It's an honor to be on here. Episode 80. 80. Congrats, by the way. The big 80. Yeah.
2: Well, you know, you just you just keep laying it down week after week, and eventually you get to a bigger number.
1: Yeah. I start
0: to lose count. I realized it was episode 80 about 20 minutes before we started recording here, but we have a lot to talk about. Jeff, as I was writing the intro, I think you have as many titles as the topics that we have to talk about today, <laughs> so let's, <laughs> let's just dive right in here. It's, that's Grant's most favorite saying ever oh, on this yeah. show. We use it too much. Too much, but I'm going to continue to use it. But spring football. That went into action this Monday as the team has been out on the practice field. New faces, new coaches, new players, and new expectations for Husker football. We heard Whipple. We heard Mickey Joseph talk at the roundtables. We heard from Scott Frost, a couple of the players. Obviously, it's only March, and there's a lot of time to go before the opener on August 28th in Dublin, Ireland. But I'll kick it off with you, Jeff. Any takeaways From this media day slash first day of spring ball, what did you like? Who did you like hearing from, and did anything
1: catch your eye or ear? Didn't pay a whole lot. I didn't pay as much attention as I probably should have, but I think it's interesting. I think Mark Whipple is probably the most fascinating topic of spring football because obviously that was a big question mark, hiring a new offensive staff basically, and Whipple comes in, Uh, and I think they got the guys to do some things on offense, Um, but I'm interested to see the dynamic Whipple and Frost have because obviously that's the biggest question is Frost alleviating some of that responsibility on the offensive side and Whipple brings that veteran experience that knowledge and I think Whipple speaks a lot of confidence he obviously knows what he's doing but what is that dynamic between him and Frost I don't think we quite know that yet and I don't think we will until it gets closer to the fall Um, but he's probably my most fascinating person to pay attention to
0: yeah I, I agree I think he Made some pretty good points in his press conference time, and we also heard from Mickey Joseph, and he wants to use Omar Manning in the slot, which is something I I thought was pretty cool and interesting because he likes having that size out there in the slot. So Omar Manning looking to uh, make a little bit bigger of an impact than he has. We saw him make that step in 2021. Maybe he can make an even larger one in 2022. There's been a lot of talk about Xavier Betts and how he's matured through the offseason and how he can potentially get better and Alante Brown has been a voice that has emerged amongst the wide receivers in that room, and that's a name we haven't heard a whole lot of, even though he's going to be, I believe, a junior this year. So that was a name that I was glad to hear come out of the coaches' mouths. Grant, any takeaways from the first day of spring ball for you?
2: I think the most interesting thing for me from day number one was Frost's with the twos. I mean, he said that straight, straight out when he was asked who took the first snaps at quarterback. He said he didn't know. And to me, that indicates that he's taking the CEO coach talk seriously, that there actually is something behind that. And to me, that's also pretty encouraging because there was some question. Is that just going to be, you know, something where he's CEO coach in name only? And it doesn't look like that's the case. And so that to me is something that's very interesting. And it seems that, at least for now, Whipple has a pretty large control over the offense even though they may not be running things that are too terribly different scheme-wise.
0: Well, and something that Whipple said in his presser news asked about this, about running backs, and we know about the air-raid offense that he had at Pitt with Pickett, and obviously he was a phenomenal quarterback this past season who's going to the NFL, but he was talking about how you do need one, two, three, maybe even four running backs that can consistently carry the ball for you to win in the Big Ten. Now, obviously, it's a super physical league. We've talked about a lot as just a fan base about how having an 1,000-yard rusher will certainly help some success on the offensive side of the ball, but that won't solve all your problems. But having a handful of running backs, who knows what Nebraska can do on the ground game because it's been told that they're not going to totally switch to this air raid, we're going to score a gajillion points on you offense. They're still going to run the ball pretty consistently.
1: Yeah, and, I, and Connor, I don't think you can really be that successful in the Big Ten if you do an air-rate offense like that. And obviously that's been the area that Nebraska's want to focus on. I'm interested—I mean, I think I do think they have the potential to have some good depth there. I like Anthony Grant, um, the transfer from New Mexico Military Institute. I like him. Um, Ramirez Johnson should take a step, and I think Gabe Irvin has a chance to step up after recovering from that injury. There's depth there, but again, we have a, there's a lot of question marks there. Well, yeah, and
0: a lot of question marks around just a lot of positions. But as we mentioned, wide receiver room, Omar Manning, Xavier Betts, Alante Brown. I don't know why the transfer from LSU's name is escaping me right now. Trey Palmer. Trey Palmer, yes. thank you. He can be an instant impact guy. He's sort of pushing Omar Manning, Not, I don't want to say out of his position, but he's giving him a challenge to, to really fight for that playing time. So I think Mickey Joseph and, and Mark Whipple both have – a good problem on their hands, at least. They have a lot of weapons in that room, and we've seen that. And then, obviously, you have the new quarterback And Casey Thompson, had a solid year at Texas, had a a lot of wow moments, had a lot of – I don't want to say a lot, but had some, okay, I don't know about this moments, hence the loss to KU. But, I mean, he played well against a a team that Nebraska has on their schedule in Oklahoma. He's familiar with that, Um, and he played really well against Oklahoma – And, I mean, I I think he can be a guy that makes a pretty big impact right away as well. Obviously, we don't know who's starting right now. As of now, it's Casey Thompson. But, again, as we're recording this, it's March 3rd. But just a couple days in, I mean, we've known about Casey Thompson coming here for a while now. What was your first reaction, Jeff, of when you heard that Casey Thompson was coming to Nebraska versus now? Okay, so what are your expectations now for the 2022
1: season with Casey? I liked the addition of Casey Thompson. And what I like about him is that he's a veteran. You have a lot of guys that come here to Nebraska and they get wide-eyed because it's such an intense uh, atmosphere here. This guy's been to Texas, man. I mean, there's no no bigger expectations than down in Texas. So Mm -hmm. he understands, I think, everything that comes with coming to Nebraska. And I think he does put in – I think he does give Nebraska a good shot at making a bowl game. I think Nebraska does – potential to go seven and five and get a bowl game. I don't I I don't really believe in the eight, nine, ten win yet until we see it on the field, because 'cause we've talked about it everything before, is that they might have the talent, but until they execute, I don't believe they can get to that eight nine win category yet. Well, we do know that
0: the Kool Aid is flowing already in Lincoln, there's no doubt about yeah. that. But I, I agree with your assessment. I think seven and five I, I want to I'm gonna put that as my ceiling right now and maybe that's a little too aggressive but as you just said Jeff I mean we, we've talked about this before in other seasons <laughs> yeah. but we haven't seen it right so enough talk okay let's go see it in between the lines where it really counts so I mean Grant we've we've talked about Casey Thompson here a lot I know you like him we went through his numbers and like a couple episodes back and we talked about how okay yes the touchdown numbers are there but but Texas lost a lot of close games, and in those close games, Casey Thompson's stat line, if you will, wasn't that great. And we talked about, well, okay, well, that kind of reminds us of last season,
2: <laughs> right? No, it definitely does. I, I think I think that could be a positive in some ways because you know he's coming from a very similar situation. He understands some of the things that this team went through last year. Uh, probably not on as great of a scale as as Nebraska you know had it last year but uh, you know he's an experienced guy he's a guy who's had a number of starts uh, obviously uh, he's played at a big you know at a big program in Texas a program with pressure like Nebraska has so those are all positives and he was the guy who took those first snaps this last week and that's pretty much expected. I mean, I think he's probably far and away the favorite to earn that starting job. Uh, but to hear it out loud, that that is certainly something that, again, while not totally unexpected, is is a positive to hear. And, and it's something that can provide a little bit of um, clarity just to hear that confirmation.
0: Well, one of the things we mentioned in the open here, and we're kind of you know, segue topics here, but Jeff, you co host the podcast Athletes Unfiltered. I'm sure many of you heard of it. If you haven't, go check it out. You're on season two, episode two, mm-hmm. as of right now. And what has that kind of recording process been like post Adrian transfer, obviously at Kansas State now? And there's been a lot of stories that you guys have been able to talk about throughout the season. And we had the whole thing with the Michigan referees and, and all that <laughs> yeah. and the broken jaw and. All these crazy things, but what has that process been like for you and Adrian, and and how have you guys been able to continue to do that podcast?
1: It's been good. I mean, HerDat has been an amazing supporter of it. That's who we are with right now, and they've been awesome to be able to set up recording equipment for us and allowing us a space to record virtually because Adrian's down in Manhattan, obviously, and I go to Omaha to record, so we do that, so they've been really supportive um, in our venture there. And it's interesting because... It's a very different dynamic now because we actually recorded in this room of recording right now uh, for season one, and now we're recording virtually. It's just a different dynamic because we are starting to go away from UNL athletes and do more UNL alumni, more national guests. So it's been a really cool evolution. And just to see the growth that we've had, not in terms of numbers, but in terms of our banter back and forth and just the dynamic between me and adrian through season one to season two well
0: and i wonder who started recording here first was it athletes unfiltered or was it i'm just kidding. <laughs> it's the competition of the unl uh, podcast studio but um i mean it, i think it's been a great episode to watch i really like the uh visual elements mm-hmm. i think that's been really good for yeah. you guys yeah. um that's been uh really awesome to listen to i know there's been a ton of ton of great feedback on that. So once again, if you haven't, go check it out. I believe it's at ATH Unfiltered on Twitter? Yep. Correct? Okay. Um, So go check that podcast out as well with Jeff and Adrian as they talk to other athletes, give stories that are more behind the scenes that you really haven't heard before in interviews and stuff like that. So let's go on to our next topic. Big Ten Wrestling starting on Saturday. Jeff, you write for the Lincoln Journal Star about wrestling. I don't know that much about wrestling, so... Tell me what I need to know coming up this weekend.
1: Well, this is the premier wrestling tournament in the country, and a lot of people consider this to be a mini NCAA tournament because it's just so loaded. I'm going to give you a couple numbers here to put in perspective. So over the last five NCAA championships, because these are old teams, by the way. These guys are six-year seniors, a lot of them are. But dating back to 2016, I believe, 94 combined All-American accolades are wrestling this weekend? It's a lot, and, that, and that's including guys who've won All American multiple times. Total, so remember, there's t- ten weight classes. Okay, fourteen wrestlers apiece here at the Big Tens Ninety-three of those guys are ranked according to Intermat Ninety-three. <laughs> yeah, it's also a lot. Yep, that's more. <laughs> that it means more than half of every weight class is ranked in the top thirty-three. It's insane. And then you throw in Gable Steveson, who just won Olympic gold last year, and you have yourself a loaded field. Yeah, and this is an opportunity to go and watch wrestling, really good wrestling, because this is only a once-in-14-year thing. It's mm-hmm. Next time it's going to be in Lincoln, 14 years from now.
0: So is that a part of a rotation that they have going on? Yep.
1: So they rotate it through every member school. Okay. Um, so, yeah, this is the first time it's come to Lincoln since Nebraska joined in 2011. So... It's a really cool opportunity, and it's people. It's been a long time coming, and I think people they're bringing back Huskers. Talked with head coach Mark Manning yesterday, and a bunch of alumni are coming back. They'll be presenters and just taking it all in. So it's kind of a mini reunion of sorts, too. So everything is kind of coming together in this weekend.
2: So how about the how about the beer? <laughs> the
1: like topic everybody wants
0: to know. Yes,
1: about. I would say yeah, because they will be selling. I believe, and I think they'll. I'm going to say it's probably going to make some good numbers.
0: <laughs> well, I would imagine too, because the well, at least I've noticed the PBA numbers concessions wise are a lot higher than they mm-hmm. are over at Memorial Stadium, yeah. so they could uh, definitely cash in on that. More wrestling talk, and obviously Nebraska is really good at wrestling. You have Iowa who just goes nuts for wrestling. Yep. They have wrestling matches in Kinnick for crying out loud. Who are more of the favorites and team wise? Who are kind of the front runners here? Who do you expect to see winning
1: this thing, um, team wise and maybe individually wise as well? So, to give you more context, how good the Big Ten is: four out of the top five teams in the country are Big Ten, and the top three are all Big Ten. It goes Penn State number one, Iowa number two and uh, Michigan number three, and then Ohio State's five. Penn State should win it. They have, I believe, four guys for the 10 weight classes. They're number one in the country. So you have four guys who should win the Big Ten titles, and right there, I mean, that's going to give you the win. So Penn State should come out on top. I will be right behind them because, again, they have a lot of top-ranked guys. I think all of them are within the top 16 um, in all 10 weight classes, so they'll be really good. Michigan should be three. They have a couple national number ones. Um, and then probably Ohio State. Nebraska will come in that fifth, sixth area. They don't have the high-end talent like some of these top teams do. They only have one guy, really, that is the number one seed and will have a really good chance of winning. But, I mean, this is a Nebraska team that's still good. It just, man, the Big Ten's so loaded. Like, it's absurd. Mm-hmm. It's unfair. It's like Big Ten volleyball. That's a good comparison you can have.
0: Okay. So, yeah, I, I mean, it seems like you have wrestling now, you have volleyball, basketball, football are always staples of the Big Ten. So it seems like r- at least wrestling has kind of the Midwestern connotation to it, yeah. maybe, if, they, if that's the right way to put it. But um, it should be a super entertaining and exciting wrestling tournament out in PBA, once again, starting Saturday, March 5th. Does it? When does it go
1: through? So it's just that Saturday and Sunday. They pack okay. a lot in. begins 10 a.m. on Saturday, and that... They'll go until around ten o'clock at night, so we're talking about a twelve-hour thing. Then the next morning starts at eleven with finals starting at three thirty. So it's a jam-packed couple days. Apparently, the last year the Big Ten's the first day didn't get done till like one thirty. A.m. Whoa. Oh, well. So, or at least the workers weren't done till then. So I yeah, it's don't a lot. Envy that, yeah, so. <laughs> it's a lot, but that's how wrestling tournaments are, and it's. It's a really good field. I implore everyone to go check it out because, again, you're seeing an Olympic gold medal champion. You're literally seeing the best heavyweight in the world competing. And Gable Steveson, he's going to wrestle in the WWE. He's a famous guy. Catch him now before he gets just ultra-famous, so, and he is already. <laughs> so, once again, go check out Big
0: Ten Wrestling at Pinnacle Bank Arena this Saturday and Sunday, March 5th and 6th. And that'll give you a great jump start into champ week basketball wise. But before we get to basketball, Husker Baseball back in action this weekend. They have two double headers on Friday and Saturday against Northwestern State and UT. Arlington trying to bounce back from a one and six start. Granted, really good t- competition so far, but one and six not the number that we really expected seeing out of this team through seven games. Grant Once again, you've been writing on this team for Husker Online. Yes. What do you know? What do you expect for this weekend? Uh, You were talking a little bit about the the pitching rotation before we got on here. Expectations for this weekend. Do the Huskers win four?
2: They kind of have to. Uh, The biggest, I mean, obviously the the biggest red flag for the first two weeks has been starting pitching. Nothing has been consistent, even remotely so. And that was reflected in what they decided to do with the starting rotation this week. Kyle Perry moves from the number one spot to the number two. Cody Frank will start the first game against Northwestern State. Northwestern State is the better of the two uh, between them and UT Arlington. Nebraska should win both the UT Arlington games handily. But Kyle Perry will start the UT Arlington game. And then after that, it is TBD. We know nothing about who is starting the doubleheader on Saturday. And so. To me, that's a reflection of the coaching staff taking that pretty seriously, saying okay, this is our biggest issue, we need to solve it now. And I think even some people didn't even expect, I think people expected this to come at some point, but I don't think people expected it to be this quick. And I think it reflects the sense of urgency that this staff has to have and this team has to have considering the non-conference schedule. That they put together you need to win these four games this weekend and hopefully if you're nebraska if you can get that kansas state game as well or go into long beach state your home series at 500 if they can get back to six and six win these next five games they're going to have a lot of confidence and a lot of momentum heading into what arguably could be their most difficult non-conference opponent and potentially based on how the season goes their most difficult opponent of the season you need that buzz. You need to to be again either four and one or five and zero headed into that week, so that you can get the fans energized and out there to support you at Haymarket Park. Because if you if you drop two or three this weekend, there could be some apathy. Uh, and I know that's not something that usually is associated with Husker fans, but you want everybody extremely energized and excited. And the way to do that is to sweep the doubleheaders this week and then pick up the win on the midweek against Kansas State on Tuesday.
0: First game is tomorrow at 11 a.m. You can catch that on the Husker Radio Network. No TV again, which is a little bit upsetting, but that's okay. So you have Northwestern State is the first game of the first doubleheader. They are the away team, Nebraska is, and then they will, in air quotes, host UT Arlington at 3 p.m. on Friday. And then Saturday, another 11 a.m. start, that will also be an away game against Northwestern State, and then they will be at home, again, all in their quotes, um, against UT Arlington. Then they will travel to Manhattan, Kansas to play Kansas State on ESPN+. Plus. That's at 6 p.m. on Tuesday. And then you begin a big, big, big homestand from March 11th through the 27th. You host Long Beach State, New Mexico State, Texas AM, Corpus Christi, South Dakota State, and then you're into Big Ten play, against the Michigan Wolverines. So what are the chances here, and I'll leave this question open for both of you, what are the chances here for Nebraska to, A, turn it around this weekend. I know, Grant, you just kind of answered that here. But Long Beach State, really, really tough series, and it's going to be a really big test for this team because Nebraska has already seen two really good teams through seven games and
1: obviously has not had the success that they envisioned. Yeah, I mean, I think especially Coach Bull, that they really emphasize defending Haymarket part. And I think this weekend's all about trying to find that groove, Grant, like you mentioned. They need to find that consistency because Long Beach State, they beat defending national champs Mississippi State on the opening day of the season. And I believe they're top 25, right? They're like no, 21? No,
2: they're, they're, they're close to top 10 of the- yeah. <laughs> Oh, jeez.
1: They,
0: they are ranked. The number isn't next to their name on the Husker website, so that's yeah, why I'm not mentioning
2: it. I think they were 13 last week, and I'm guessing they've moved up.
1: Yeah, so they want to try and find some consistency heading into that home stretch. Because what? They're home for like two straight weeks, right? Just about. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Most home games, I believe, of the season are in March.
1: Yeah, so they want to find that consistency. And it's big. I mean, again, it's tough opening the season against Texas schools. It just is. I mean, it doesn't matter if they're small or big. Those Texas schools are always really, really tough, especially TCU. So I think... These teams are a little less competition. I think just getting some confidence, because I think in baseball, the mental game is arguably as important as the physical game. So I think building that confidence can do a lot when they come back home here.
0: Well, yeah, it's a super important series, and if you will, this weekend. Two doubleheaders, one Friday, one Saturday. Once again, you can catch that on the radio, on the Husker Radio Network. You can listen to... Greg sharp on that one and Ben McLaughlin correct me if I'm wrong
2: yeah I don't I don't think we've seen. Nick uh, Nick Hanley make a trip down yet. Uh, okay. So yeah, I believe it'll be Ben, yes.
0: Well, our good friend, uh, we've mentioned him here before, he does creative stuff. Ethan Weldon made the trip with the baseball oh. team. Left at 4.30 this morning <laughs> for a 12 hour bus ride and, down to Texas. And the
2: reason they're busing instead of flying is because this was originally supposed to be San Diego State, and San Diego State double booked. And in November they told Nebraska, and so then Nebraska had to go and scramble to get this series this weekend, except they'd already chartered all the flights and so they couldn't fly, so they have to drive down, make the ten hour drive.
0: I'm not jealous. I will say that. I'm glad I'm not not taking that trip on wheels, but for those of you who are, have fun. (laughs) (laughs) And go and go win four ball games for, for Husker Nation here this weekend. Let's transfer over to Husker basketball. It's March, and we all know anything can happen in March, and clearly anything can happen in March, because Nebraska has won two straight games in the Big Ten Conference, one against Penn State last Sunday, 93-70, to an absolute massacre of the Nittany Lions on the road. Two out of the three road wins Fred Hoiberg has had at Nebraska have come in Happy Valley, or, yeah, at Penn State. So yes. That's been kind of funny. But then they follow that effort up with a 78-70 win at number 23 Ohio State, and E.J. Liddell. Bryce McAllen's a great in that game. The Huskers have been shooting over 50% in the last two games. What is happening? <laughs> what did Fred Hoiberg put in their water after it seemed like everything was just falling apart and let's forget this?
2: So I, I, I was thinking about this yesterday. It, it feels like to me, you know, everything that Nebraska was doing wrong and what they were struggling with was a matter of choice, <laughs> right? Like, you choose to work hard on the defensive end. You choose to make good shots or take good shots. You choose to share the basketball well. And in these last two games, they've chosen to do that. I don't know why it's taken until now, but that's the case. And look, I maybe it, it's definitely too little too late, I guess, for this season because the majority of this roster, much like in the previous two years, under Fred Hoiberg is not going to be around next year, uh, but I guess good. I mean, yeah. I mean, winning is better than losing. That's for sure. Picking off a top twenty-five team, that's huge. In fact, I don't know when the last time the football or basketball team beat a ranked opponent. Uh, Twenty nineteen, I believe. It was at Iowa. Yes. Yeah, and it was the basketball team. Yep. Yes. Uh, so that's I. That's I mean sort of sad but also cool and then you know now they have Wisconsin left and however much of the Big Ten tourney I suppose they want. I I just I don't know why it's taken this long for them to choose to start doing things that lead to success. I
0: I agree. I don't know why it's taking so long. But the good news is when we see those good choices being made, we can see the potential And I think it's good for Fred Hoiberg, too, because right after the whole pay cut situation, literally like the next two games, they go out and play their two best games of the year by far. I mean, again, they're shooting the ball really well. Bryce has looked really good. Alonzo Verge had a really nice game the other night as well, I believe, against Ohio State it was. Um, I think he had like 12 assists or something like that. Um, And the team's just really coming together. C.J. Wiltshire had a nice game against the Buckeyes as well. No Zeb Key for the Buckeyes, but still... And they talked about this on many different radio shows and and podcasts surrounding March Madness this year. And granted, Ohio State is in the field right now. But this loss is a seed-changing loss for the Buckeyes because they were looking at a potential six. You may see them as an eight now after this loss to Nebraska, depending
1: on how they do in the Big Ten tournament. Yeah, I mean this is a bad loss, guys. It, it's a really bad. <laughs> Nebraska is a bad basketball team. They're just playing a couple of good games, but yeah, it, it just it, for Ohio State it's just very upsetting. I, I don't know. It's yeah, like you mentioned, Grant, sea changing. It's it's like you know when you're playing franchise in a video game and you just sim against a team that you just should beat and you just get really fr- yeah. It's just very upsetting if you're the Buckeyes there. Well. That's okay for us. Yeah, right. right. It's fine. We, for we've much. been upset long enough, right? <laughs> it, it, it's just, I don't know, it's weird with Nebraska winning these because, again, Grant, you mentioned it. This team isn't coming back. This team is, it's a whole new team next year. I guess it's fun for a little ride down the stretch here, but I don't know. Might as well make it worth your while. Yeah, right? I guess. But who knows. But on the women's
0: side, they start their postseason today in the Big Ten tournament. They will take on the Illinois Fighting Illini out In Indianapolis, it's 7:30 p.m. tonight. Once again, they finished the regular season 22 and 7, 11 and 7 in the Big Ten conference. They got a win over Northwestern on Sunday, 73 to 59. A really complete effort out of the Wildcats as well. So once again tonight, Thursday, 7:30 p.m. against the number 14 Illinois, number 14 in the Big Ten, not overall in the country. And then the winner of that will move on to face Michigan, a team that Nebraska has already beaten this year, and that's a top ten caliber team. They just lost to Iowa, Iowa actually just won the Big Ten turn or not tournament, the Big Ten regular season title. But that's a team that Nebraska wins tonight. They get Michigan again. Maybe a little bit of revenge on the mind of the Wolverines, but you know Amy Williams is the team to take down the Wolverines.
2: Right, because they've done it already. And so that, to me, if you're you know, rooting for Nebraska, has to be the most encouraging thing because they're on the side of the bracket with teams that they've fared the best against at the top of the Big Ten. And on the flip side, if they had been on the Ohio State and Maryland side, they'd lost those games this year. And so to get Iowa, and granted you lost two against Iowa, but in one game Iowa shot 30 free throws, and in the other game you are right there down the stretch. That was in Lincoln. And you beat Michigan. So uh, you got to be happy with where you are. And then to make things even better, Wisconsin goes ahead and loses to Illinois uh, to end their season. And now Illinois survives. And that's probably a very favorable matchup there for Nebraska. It's a team they beat by 20 plus already.
0: Yeah, Nebraska is the sixth seed in this Big Ten tournament. They will face number 14, Illinois, tonight. The winner of that will face number three, Michigan. And then the semifinals will be on Saturday at five. And then the championship on Sunday at 3 o'clock. And then the following week, obviously, will be the men's tournament out in Indianapolis as well, which is shaping up to be a really, really good tournament. And that's going to be super entertaining. And it's not just the Big Ten. The Big East tournament will be phenomenal. The Big 12 tournament will be phenomenal. Even the Pac-12 tournament will have a a decent amount of shakeup there as well. So uh, a lot of exciting basketball coming up March Madness. is Selection Sunday is 10 days away. 10 days away. Can you believe that? So, and uh, that's that's a day that we are all super excited for. And speaking of Selection Sunday, let's get some bracketology in here because that's what we've been doing the past handful of weeks. And I told Jeff this before we started recording that Grant and I have been doing this, what, past four or five weeks now. We've been kind of giving our thoughts around the Big Ten first, and then we will go through the field of 68 right now. But Jeff... A couple of Big Ten uh, storylines that have happened over the past week. Rutgers getting a huge win over Indiana on the road that boosts their tournament resume. Obviously, Wisconsin pulling off the season sweep against Purdue and winning at least a share of the Big Ten title if they can survive the mighty Cornhuskers of Nebraska on Sunday. Um, But a lot of shakeup of the Big Ten Purdue still looks like a really good team. I saw a stat the other day. four of their six losses have been on last second three pointers. so that's
2: and by the way five of the six have been away from home.
0: Yes, so that's if you're a Purdue fan of that, that's tough, I'm sorry. But, but there's been a lot of shakeup just one through 14 here on the big Ten standings going from four, 14 through one. Nebraska, Minnesota, Northwestern, Maryland, Penn State, Indiana, Michigan, Michigan State, Rutgers, Ohio State. Iowa, Purdue, Illinois, and Wisconsin. Now Iowa's sneaking up to that four spot. They're eleven and seven in the conference. Twenty one and eight overall. That's a team that's playing arguably their best basketball all season. Teams that are really dropping like a rock here. Indiana, Michigan State, Ohio State. Jeff, I'll leave this question for you first and then we'll go over to Grant. A projected nine teams in the Big Ten or in the NCAA tournament from the Big Ten a couple of days ago. Do you think that number shrinks at all?
1: I don't think so, because Rutgers should win out. Uh, They should beat Penn State. I think Indiana, I think it's too good to leave off the table. Um, I think the only question mark is Michigan right now, because they're the last four buys, it looks like. But they should get in. I I don't see that number really changing much or shrinking, uh, because, one, I think the NCA favors the Big Ten. So I don't see them not taking that many teams, because I think it just works too much for them. and, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of good teams in the Big Ten. Even if they're 500, this is a loaded conference. Mm-hmm. So I don't see that number shrinking.
2: I think – I I, I kind of disagree with Jeff here a little bit. I Unreal. Think, <laughs> I, I think <laughs> – Get uh, out. <laughs> I think Indiana's gone. I mean, Indiana has to beat Purdue at this point to get in. And, you know, this loss to Rutgers was, I, in my opinion, a de facto elimination game between those two teams. Rutgers won. And it's a road game. It's a nice win for Rutgers because you pick up a road win. That's probably the weakest part of your resume is how And, you and it's a quad one win. Correct. And Indiana, I just beating Purdue at home, especially after I lost Wisconsin, that's going to be very, very, very difficult. And I don't think that they're gonna be able to make a big run in the tourney itself. And so if they lose this game to Purdue, I think they're done. And you know, it's unfortunate a little bit for them because <laughs> After they beat Purdue the first time, things have just kind of collapsed. I mean, they, they have been brutal since that win in Assembly Hall over Purdue.
0: See, now, I agree with you, but when we talk about Indiana just being brutal as of late, they're still 18-11 and 11 somehow, which, granted, that, that good start has certainly helped them. I think I'm going to agree with Grant more here. I think that number, and this may be, and granted, the Big Ten tournament has yet to be played— that is a huge deciding factor on which teams make it which teams end up missing it out but i think as of right now that number shrinks to 7 i think indiana and michigan both miss this and really i think and i think indiana misses it because they haven't been playing well obviously they're 9 and 10 in the big 10 conference 18 and 11 overall michigan is starting to find their footing again they're 16 and 12 they're 10 and 8 in the big 10 which is a pretty solid record but I just don't see them getting the favor, like getting the uh, the upside from the committee. And I know, and I I know Jeff, you brought up the point that the NCAA does like the Big Ten, which is completely true. They they really like the Big Ten, and the Big Ten conference is arguably the best conference in all of basketball here in in the collegiate state. But I'm just, if I'm on the committee, I don't think I put Michigan in unless they make some serious noise in the Big 10 tournament and which could very well happen because as of recent history Michigan has done very well in the Big 10 tournament and it either gets to the semifinals, the finals or wins the whole thing. If they do that this year wouldn't be shocked. I think that puts them over the edge, but as of right now I think I'm going to leave them out. And I know I've expressed anti-Michigan bias here. None of that is going into this decision. I just don't think they're I don't I don't think they're good enough. I really don't
1: really I, surprising it's big
2: they, I mean they got a big game tonight against Iowa and that'll go a they long need way to, to win
1: I, they need to win one of their last two because they face Iowa at home and then they have Ohio State to finish yeah. the year on Sunday I think if they win one of those two and then win their first game because what they're going to be in the 8-9 right in that area So probably the, I think they're up
2: at the 7 now aren't they in 7
1: the let, I, me, uh, let me look and I think if they win one of those to end the regular season then they win one game in the Big Ten tournament as I of, think they're in. As of March 1st, they were an 11 seed. Michigan yeah. was. I yeah, I think one win to finish out the year and then one Big 10 win keeps them around that area. They're in the
0: last four buys as Jeff mentioned and they're in Indiana's on the last four. And granted this hasn't been updated from last night. Uh so Indiana will probably fall on the wrong side of the bubble there. But you have a team like and just this is kind of bigger picture here of of who could quote-unquote, replace Michigan. You have Oregon, who's been pretty good in the Pac-12. They've lost some tough games, but they've beaten some really good teams. Loyola Chicago, if they end up winning their conference tournament, they, they're they in, obviously, because of the auto bid. but they're, I think they're a good enough team to be in. BYU, they've played well in the WCC, per usual. Um, and then you have SMU, who's been all right in the American. I don't think they end up making it. Um, but I just – I don't so, – Something tells me that Michigan won't make it, and I just part of it is I don't think they're good enough, and part of it is I just don't think it's gonna work out for them. I I don't know what it is, but they beat Michigan State pretty handily. But Michigan State has an identical Big Ten record with them now, and they've been playing like crap here in right. the past like week or so.
2: No, I agree. I, I, if anybody drops between Michigan and Michigan State, for me, <laughs> it's, it's Michigan State. And now they've had some good resume stuff at the beginning of the year, and beating Purdue really helps. But then you turn around and just get absolutely get the doors blown off you by Michigan. That does not help things. And the negative is going to stick around a lot longer than the positive, I think, in a lot of people's minds. So I, I think Michigan State's kind of could be considered to be in trouble too. Michigan between Michigan State, Michigan, and Indiana, I think Michigan's in the best place, which is weird to think about.
1: We got two names for you on that debate. If the committee thinks Michigan, and Michigan State are both borderline cases, it's their two head coaches that are going to put them in the tournament. It's the namesake. It's Tom Izzo and Jawan Howard. Because it's those two names, I think if it's up for a debate, they're in. I think they have to both like catastrophically look awful here in the last few games to not get in. Because I think those are two big names that draw crowds, people watch it. It's two big fan bases again. This is just off-the-court stuff that mm-hmm. I think still does have a substantial factor in it.
0: Yeah, I don't disagree with that because Tom Izzo is obviously a legend in, in the sport and Juwan Howard in, in other areas, but is still just a... a polarizing a, figure. Yes, in basketball. we Grant, and I talked about this actually after that whole scuffle went down with Wisconsin, and I mean, I voiced some pretty strong opinions about Juwan Howard possibly getting fired... I right. I don't remember what I I think you were sort on the same track uh, I don't maybe, think maybe that was not team fired, fired but but definitely suspension suspended. yeah absolutely but that could and I'm not saying like okay John Howard getting into a scuffle with Greg Guard's gonna keep him out of the tournament no but I just don't I don't think that's a very good look for John Howard obviously. But the the off the court, it's at the end of the day, it really is all about money. And when you're yeah. talking about the NCAA, that could very well play a big role into which of these two teams makes it. Looking at the net rankings, Michigan is 32nd, Michigan State is 38th, so they're right there. I'm gonna click on Michigan here and look at their uh, Quad One. So their record against Quad One is four and eight. They're three and three against Quad Two. Their Quad One wins are against Iowa, and that was on the road. So on the road at Iowa, um, at home against Purdue, on the road against Indiana, and at home against San Diego State. Their quad two wins are at home against Michigan State, at Penn State, which I don't know how that's a quad two win, mm. and a neutral site game against UNLV. And then their record against quad three is 6-1, and 3-0, and oh, against quad four, moving over to Michigan State, to look at their resume, they're 4-7 and seven in Quad 1, so almost identical. 7-2 and two in Quad 2, which I think is, is a bigger deal than people may think. Their Quad 1 wins are Loyola Chicago on a neutral site. That was back in the Maui Invitational Tournament. Great game. Um, and that's when Loyola, Loyola Chicago was a knocking on the door being a top 25 team. Uh, neutral site win against UConn. Another good win because UConn's proven that they are an NCAA tournament team and a top 20 team in the country. Um, at Wisconsin, which is a big win. We saw that earlier this year and then at home against Purdue, which was just recently. Their quad two wins are Butler, Toledo, Minnesota, Northwestern, Michigan, Maryland. Again, I, I don't know how Maryland did Northwestern or quad two wins. And then Indiana. Their losses there are Rutgers and Penn State. So Penn State, not a great loss, obviously. 5-1 and one against quad three. Quad four, they're 3-0. After all that information I just threw at both of you, what resume, based on the metrics and,
1: and the net rankings, Which one appeals to you more? Which one's better? I like Michigan State and that quad two record. 7-2. I don't know how Minnesota's a quad two win, but... uh, Yeah. I I think it depends on when it was in the season, but I'm on board with you. (laughs) Yeah, I think those... Because they're basically even with the quad one, so I think the quad twos outweigh that. And again, going back to the argument with Michigan, if they go, like I said, they need to go down the stretch, they either sweep Iowa, the season series over Iowa... Or they add another quad win at Ohio State and then win one big ten team. Um, so I think they are in if they do that. But if we just based off right now, Michigan State.
2: Yeah, I kind of have to agree. It, it, there's still a lot of variables left to to, to find. In <laughs> you know, it, it's weird to say that with two games left still for pretty much every team, but there are there are a lot of variables left.
0: It's the beauty of college basketball.
2: That's true. And Michigan State. I mean, they. It's true. They do have the cards right now, but we'll see. A Michigan win over Iowa tonight would pretty much lock them,
0: I think. That would probably change my opinion if they do get a win against Iowa tonight. But the teams that are most likely in from the Big Ten, Wisconsin, Illinois, Purdue, Iowa, Ohio State, Rutgers, Michigan State, and then it's a toss-up in the air for Michigan and Indiana. We'll see how they do in the Big Ten tournament. Moving over to Bracketology, just the big picture. Creighton got a huge win last night against UConn, so the guys just down the road. That pretty much seals their fate in the the Big East tournament and in the NCAA tournament. Creighton is a three seed, I believe, in the Big East, which is higher than people probably expected. So they will make the tournament, especially after that one. They've been a little up and down this year, but their resume in Big East play has been really good. They have a win over Marquette. They have a win over Villanova. A win over UConn, Um, so that's been really good for them. A quick look at the one seeds as of March 1st, Gonzaga, Baylor, Kansas, Arizona. None of them have lost since March 1st, so that holds true. The two seeds, Purdue, could change. Duke, uh, Auburn, and Kentucky. Auburn just won the SEC regular season title. Um, And right now, I mean, you have some decent 7-10 matchups. Marquette, San Francisco, Iowa, Davidson. Davidson's been a, a sneaky ranked team on and off here. Um, Iowa State, North Carolina. North Carolina is a lower seed in that matchup. Uh, Michigan State right now is a seven seed against Miami. That could be interesting. Just a whole lot of whole lot of projections. Um, but I mean, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, Jeff, about picking a, a way too early national champion here. But if you had to pick one or two teams that would that you think have the best chance of making it all the way, who are those teams for you? One,
1: I I know it's basic. But Gonzaga. I like Gonzaga. They're really, really good. Um, and I've watched them a few times. I also have liked UCLA a lot, too. Where where are they? Uh, UCLA, let me... They're four. Yes. And again, they made the Final Four in the last year as one of those playing games, right? It's an 11 seed. Yeah. So I like those two teams. I've um, Part of that is I've watched them a couple times this year. Um, but I think both those teams have a they have the experience... And I think they have the talent to go there. I mean, you talk about UCLA. You have Johnny Juzang.
0: You have Tiger Campbell. You have Miles Johnson, a transfer from Rutgers a season ago. That's a really good team to look out for out of the Pac-12. Grant, have your opinions changed on who you see winning this whole tournament?
2: No. Look, It's like I said earlier, too many variables right now. It's hard, and it's going to be really good this year, I think. It's going to be probably the hardest year to predict ever, and it's always hard. Um, but there's a lot of parity right now in college basketball, and it's it's a pretty cool thing to see. Um, you have the blue bloods at the top, but you also have teams <clears> like Auburn uh, or like Wisconsin, which you know you can consider Wisconsin a blue blood maybe. But that was not a team that people suspected to be a top ten team this year, and they're in contention. You know, there, there's a lot of teams that are capable of winning this thing, and it is it's going to be next to impossible to picking the champion.
0: I agree with that because, I mean, if you're entering the perfect bracket challenge, save your time and don't because it's <laughs> not going to happen. It never happens, but especially this year, it will not happen. A couple weeks ago when we talked about this, my pick was Kentucky. Mm. I think I'm going to stick with that for now. My dark horse pick is Texas Tech. I was just about to bring that up. That, that was really my dark like, horse, yeah. really like Texas Tech. But, the and this is the only... The only reason why I'm not picking a super basic pick, such as i.e. Gonzaga or uh, a Baylor, <laughs> hey, I I didn't say was basic, so yeah. okay, it's okay. But I mean, it's it's still a good pick. It's Gonzaga. The only reason I'm not picking this team is because of their conference, and that is Duke. The ACC has been bad this year. Duke is the only ranked team in a 16 team conference. How does that happen? It's not good. And the ACC is usually the best conference in basketball next to the Big Ten, but now they've just just been on a, a downhill spiral. And, I mean, you could make a case for Notre Dame. I mean, they've won 20 games. They've won, I believe, 14 ACC games, but they're not ranked. North Carolina was 0-7 in quad one until just a week ago. So their competition hasn't really been the stiffest. But at the same time, they've been killing other teams in the ACC. Now, I don't know if discrediting Duke that much because of the ACC not being good is fair. I still think Duke is a really, really good team. Um, Paulo Banquero is one of a kind. I mean, he's a six-foot-ten guard that can, and he's not skinny. He's he's not like a, a Chet Holmgren skinny. I mean, that guy has has some muscle on his bones, so he can get to the bucket. He can shoot the ball really well. So the ACC is the only reason why I don't pick Duke. I don't know if that's a fair reason or not. No, I think it is. I'll let other people be the judge about that. But uh, Kentucky and Texas Tech are kind of my two picks still. We'll update you throughout that as well as the season goes on. Champ Week is next week, so we'll have an episode in the middle of that, Uh, all that chaos, the madness before the madness. Um, So that'll be super exciting, and I think that will do it for us On episode number 80 of Husker Sports Weekly, we talked about a whole bunch. We talked about wrestling. We talked about spring football. We talked about athletes unfiltered. We talked about baseball, basketball, Husker men's and women's, and bracketology. Lots of stuff to cover, but a lot of good stuff to cover. Once again, baseball back in action this weekend, Husker wrestling, and the Big Ten Wrestling Tournament at PBA March 5th and 6th. Husker basketball finishes up their regular season on Sunday, and Husker women's are in action later today against Illinois out in Indianapolis. Jeff? Thank you so much for joining us here today, this morning. It was great to have you on. I know this has been kind of in the works for a little bit. But uh, where can people find your stuff on the Lincoln Journal Star, on Twitter? Where, where should people go?
1: All right. So, yes, go on journalstar.com for all our coverage here because we be a lot of coverage of Big Tens this weekend. And you can find me on Twitter at EX underscore O-N underscore sports. That is at X on sports. will be tweeting a lot. It's going to be a lot this weekend. But it's going to be fun. We'll go give Jeff a follow on Twitter. Keep up with all this
0: stuff as the madness before the madness, before the madness of wrestling madness commences this weekend. So go follow him on Twitter and keep up with his work on the Lincoln Journal star. But yes, that will do it for us on episode number 80. Once again, you can find us on Twitter at C underscore Clark underscore 27 and at Hanson 15 underscore Hanson. You can find our show on Twitter at Husker weekly. and search Husker sports weekly in the search bar of your favorite podcast networks. To find our show, we'll be back next week to talk more college basketball as we get one week closer to tournament time. But until then, go Big Red.